0: You would naturally assume that this would not be a large error because the Bible has over 700,000 words in it. But the omission took place in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. It's none other than the seventh commandment. It reads, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And he omitted the word not and it read, Thou shalt commit adultery. You can see a picture. There on the screen of that Bible. As you can imagine, King Charles I was not pleased. As a matter of fact, he was infuriated with this mistake, so much so that he took away the printing license of Robert Marker and fined him 300 pounds, which was a lifetime worth of earnings. There are only 11 of these Bibles available today because the king did all in his power to destroy all these Bibles, as you would imagine. Now, the printer in this case did an innocent mistake in omitting this Bible or this word out of the Bible. It was not an intentional mistake, but the Bible tells us that there will be another power as we approach the end of time that will seek to change times and laws. This is found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall seek to change times and laws. There will be an attempt to change, to alter or modify God's Ten Commandments. And this power is what we are going to be addressing today as we talk about the Seventh-day Sabbath. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles... If you have not already, to go to our scripture reading, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. I want to thank Mike for reading this scripture to us this morning. Page 83, if you're using the Bible that has been provided for you by the church there in the pew. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, page 83. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As we said last week, this commandment begins with the word remember. It's the only commandment that begins with the word remember. Quite ironic that the only commandment that begins with the word remember is the one that we are called by many Christians to forget. Now, when someone tells you to remember something, the implicit uh, concept when someone tells you to not forget or to remember is that this has been given to you before. Some people assume that this is a Jewish Sabbath instituted by Moses, but this is not the case. This was actually instituted, as we saw last week, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, 2, and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it by the way if you missed last week's presentation you can get it online at our website there in your bulletin and you can also download last sabbath's handout as well we said last week that god did three things on this day he blessed it he sanctified it and he rested on the seventh day god could have made a place holy but in this case god made time holy into a 24-hour period of time, God injected and infused His holiness. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world, that holy time hits you like a wave. It's a memorial in time that God instituted at creation. Last week we said that in over 140 languages of the world, the word for seventh day of the week is actually Sabbath, and you can see a list of those on the screen as well. In Spanish, it is what? Sabado, literally meaning Sabbath. As we said last week, some people say, hasn't the calendar been changed? How do we know that the seventh day today is a seventh day at creation? Well, there was one calendar change that is of note when we went from the Julian calendar to the calendar that we have today, the Gregorian calendar, and this happened in October of 1582, and the switch happened on that Thursday and Friday. You can see it there on the screen. Thursday the 4th was the Julian calendar, and Friday the 15th was the Gregorian calendar. It switched in that interim period right there, but you can see that the days of the week did not change. Thursday was still Thursday, and Friday was still Friday. Uh, Another quote that we saw last week by individuals that are brilliant, a lot smarter than I am, that study time, and this is from James Robertson. He's at the Navy Department, U.S. Navy Observatory, Washington, D.C. He says, there has been no change in our calendar in the past century that has affected in any way the cycle of the week." Another quotation from the Royal Greenwich Observatory in Greenwich, England. This is where the international dateline goes through. These people are specialists in time and this is from Dr. Frank Jeffries. He's a fellow at the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, England and I quote, it says, "...it can be said with assurance that not a day has been lost since creation, and all the calendar changes notwithstanding, there has been no break in the weekly cycle. Now, this is fascinating, that the weekly cycle, the first day to the seventh day, and then starting over again, going all the way back to antiquity, has not been broken. It has been kept all the way to this day, and we can know with a surety that the same day that Jesus kept... The seventh day is the same day that we keep today. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus kept the Sabbath. We said last week that the apostles kept the Sabbath. We also said that in heaven we'll keep the Sabbath as well, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22 and 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. We're going to keep the Sabbath in heaven. So here's the logic. Sabbath at creation, Sabbath and Ten Commandments, Jesus kept the Sabbath, the apostles kept the Sabbath, we'll keep the Sabbath in heaven, and it's only logical that God wants us to, by His grace, keep the Sabbath today. So here is a summary of what we've just gone through. From creation to the new earth, the Sabbath was kept. Now, how did this change happen? How is it that today the majority of the Christian community, sincerely, I might say, keep Sunday instead of Saturday? How did this change happen? It goes actually back to the time of antiquity when individuals worshipped the sun. It was known as the venerable day of the sun. You go all the way back to ancient Babylon, and sun worship was an integral part of pagan worship going back for millennia, sun worship was a vital part of the communities going back to Babylon. Now, what had happened was that from Babylon to Medo-Persia to Greece to Rome, sun worship was kept by every conquering empire, particularly the Romans. They believed in what we called polytheism, which meant that they believed in many gods. The more gods, the better. And the Roman Empire. Uh, by, for the most part, kept Sunday as the day to worship the sun. Now in the year 300, Constantine came into power and the community was split between the pagans and the Christians and he wanted to unite his empire. Sabbath, a Hebrew word signifying rest, Sunday was a name given by the heathens for the first day of the week because it was the day in which they worshipped the sun. That's where we get the name Sunday. As we noted earlier, Constantine came to power and he wanted to unite his empire. And so he started to legislate a day in particular in which they were to close their shops on Sunday, on the Venerable Day of the Sun. Let the magistrates and the people residing in the cities let all the shops be closed. And so there was civil legislation in regards to Sunday. And over time, the Sabbath was lost, and Sunday became the day of worship. the sun was the foremost god with heathenism. There is truth, something royal, kingly about the sun, making it a fit symbol of Jesus, the son of justice. Hence, the church in these countries would seem to have said, Keep the old pagan name, it shall remain consecrated, sanctified, and thus the pagan Sunday dedicated to Baldur became the Christian Sunday, sacred to Jesus. And so this is what happened down through the ages, going back to the year 300, which is many hundreds of years ago, that this transfer took place and has been kept as part of tradition. Now, for our study today, I want to invite you to turn in your bulletin or open your bulletin. You will see there a study guide. And if you don't have a study guide, raise your hand and... Our associate pastor, Daniel, will get you a study guide. We have one in the bag. Bernie needs a study guide. Raise your hand up. And what we're going to do today is a Bible study and go through every single first day text in the New Testament. Every single first day text we're going to go through here this morning. Now, some of you may think we're going to be here a long time, but don't worry. I'm not going to keep you all day. Uh, There's actually very few. There's only eight first-day texts in the New Testament. And we're going to go through every single one. I want to read the introduction of our study guide. And I want to invite you to fill it out as we go through it together this morning. Many sincere Christians today who love the Lord worship on Sunday, the first day of the week. In this study, we'll look at every text in the New Testament that mentions Sunday or the first day of the week. As Bible students, we will search to find anything if there was a change in the day of worship. There are eight texts. Now, I have seven of them here. The first one is not in your study guide. You can write it in. It's actually the earlier part of John chapter 20. John chapter 20 verse 1. This is the first text, the first first day text we're going to be looking at. There are eight of them, and here's the first one. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb as you can see there's no indication of a transference of a day of worship in this passage It's simply saying that mary went to the tomb on the first day of the week now this was written decades after the resurrection of christ and if there was a transference of solemnity of holiness to this day you would think that the gospel writers would have put that there so write down john chapter twenty verse one there in your study guide We're gonna go to our second one. I do have this in your study guide. You can look at there on the screen. You can fill it out as you go through. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Now, some people look at this verse and naturally assume that the disciples were there to worship God on the first day of the week. But you can see, what was the reason that the disciples were gathered there? Fear. It says, for fear of the Jews. In other words, they didn't know that Jesus had been resurrected. They thought Jesus was dead, and they thought that they were next. So the purpose of this meeting in John chapter 20, verse 19, is not for worship, not for a Bible study, but rather it is for fear of the Jews. So we can see that there is nothing there as well. Let's go to our next passage on the screen and in your study guide, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. In this passage, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and telling them that on the first day of the week, to lay by them in store. Another translation actually says to save up in store so that there be no collections or they'll be prepared when they come. Some people look at this verse and say that this was a Sunday offering. Now, even if it was... That would not indicate a sacredness of that day but paul is not writing that in this verse it says to lay by him in store in other words paul is saying at the beginning of the week prepare for the offering that is coming make god first not last don't spend all your money and then say what do i have left over for god to lay by him in store or to save up next to the individual on the first day of the week so we can see that there's nothing there as well Let's go to Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 12. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And they were there many nights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching. Now, I can empathize with Paul because I've had this happen to me before. Someone falls asleep during my sermon. You know, I give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably had a very difficult week. But someone falls asleep, and I, I take heart because the great preacher Paul had someone fall asleep during his great sermon. So Eutychus fall asleep, fell asleep, but it was a, a deadly sleep. He sunk down into sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead he fell out the window and paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said trouble not yourselves for his life is in him and when he therefore was come up again and broken bread and eaten and talked a long while even till the break of day so he departed and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted Now, in this passage, there's a particular phrase. I'll go back to the earlier slide. It says, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Some sincere Christians look at this verse, and they say they came together to break bread. That gives the indication that this was a worship service. Now, when you look at the other passages in the Bible, particularly Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says that they broke bread how many times? They broke bread daily. In other words, just because they broke bread on a particular day did not mean that it was a sacred or a hollow day. In this case, they broke bread daily. It was a symbol of uh, fellowship. Breaking bread together was uh, part of their community at that time. When it says the first day of the week, another translation, and the Bible scholars are in agreement with this concept, that this was actually a meeting on Saturday night. The Bible says that the evening and the morning are the first day. The Bible indicates that the next day actually uh, begins the evening prior. And so some translations actually say that on Saturday night. And so this was a Saturday night meeting that took place in this passage. Still, none of these verses indicate that there was any transference of solemnity or holiness from one day to the next. And they returned. This is our next verse. You can see it there in your study guide. We're running out of verses. We better find one quick. Here it is. Luke chapter 23, verse 56 through 41, or 24, verse 1. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So there is no indication in this verse at all. Matter of fact, it actually upholds the Sabbath. It says they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Here's our next verse, Mark chapter 16 verse 1 and 2. And when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they came And uh, to come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. So you can see another verse there. There's no indication of any sort of change. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. And when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. No indication in this verse at all. And here we come to our last verse Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulchre. So there you have it. We've gone through every single first day passage in the New Testament, and there is not one iota. Of an implication of a change from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week. Is that clear here this morning? Yes or no? All right, so we've gone through all of them. Now, you can go and look these up in your own Bible this afternoon. Don't take my word for it. Look it up in your own Bible. All of the passages are there. Every first day text we have just gone through here this morning. Now, how did this happen? As we indicated earlier, this happened around the third century, and I'm going to go through some quotes this morning that are going to indicate the admission of how this happened of the transference of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. And here's the converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. I actually have a copy of this particular catechism, and here is the question, which is the Sabbath day? Saturday is the Sabbath day. Now, this is not an Adventist publication. This is a Catholic catechism. It says, why do we observe Sunday instead of the Sabbath? Here it is, the answer, because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. There is the quotation, the admission from the Catholic Church. Now, I want to be very clear here this morning before I go to my next quotations in succession that I believe that there are God's people present in every denomination. Amen. Amen. I believe God's people are in every denomination and the way that God speaks to us is individually. The Bible says when God presents truth to walk in it, John chapter 12 verse 35, walk in the light. So when God presents truth to Pastor David, it is my responsibility to follow that truth. Now that light, that truth, that passage, that conviction may not have appeared to my relative. Now I have many relatives that are not Seventh-day Adventists that love the Lord. Now they are in a different place than I am. And the responsibility of us first and foremost is to follow Jesus the time, the moment, that He reveals truth to us and to walk in that truth. Now God will take care of the other individuals but God says if you love me keep my commandments. And we're not talking about people here we're talking about truth. And we're talking about a system and we're talking about historical facts and I'm presenting the facts to you here this morning. So here's another quotation. The Catholic Mirror, September 23, 1894. These are all From the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, for over 1,000 years before the existence of a Protestant, by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. I want to read on. The Catholic priest, John O'Brien. But since Saturday, not Sunday, is specified in the Bible, isn't it curious? that non-Catholics who profess to take their religion directly from the Bible and not from the church observe Sunday instead of Saturday. Now this is a very rational, reasonable statement by the Catholic priest John O'Brien saying that, look, Protestants claim to go by the Bible and the Bible alone. But isn't it curious that Sunday observance is not found in the Bible but is a tradition from the church? So they're saying that Protestants are actually inconsistent in this case. Now, if you go to the back of your handout, I'm not going to read all of these, but you have a whole list of other quotations, not just from the Catholic Church, but from other denominations. I'm going to read through a few of them. Let's read the top one, the Baptist. There was and is a commandment to keep holy the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath day was not Sunday. It will be said, however... And with some show of triumph that the Sabbath was transferred from the 7th to the 1st day of the week. Where can the record of such a transaction be found? Not in the New Testament. Absolutely not. There is no scriptural evidence of the change of the Sabbath institution from the 7th to the 1st day of the week. Dr. Edward Hiscox. Let's go down to the Episcopal. I have family members that are part of the Episcopalian Church. Is there any command in the New Testament to change the day of weekly rest from Saturday to Sunday? None. The Methodist. Take the matter of Sunday. There is no passage telling Christians to keep that day or to transfer the Jewish Sabbath to that day. The Lutheran. The observance of the Lord's Day, Sunday, is not founded on any command of God, but on the authority of the church, the Presbyterian. The Christian Sabbath, Sunday, is not in the Scriptures and was not by the primitive church called the Sabbath. So here we have it over and over again, other denominations admitting that Sunday observance is not found in the Bible. Here's another quotation. Yes, of course, it is inconsistency, but this change was made about about 15 centuries before Protestantism was born. And by that time, the custom was universally observed. They have continued the custom, even though it rests upon the authority of the Catholic Church and not upon an explicit text from the Bible. The observance remains as a reminder of the mother church from which the non-Catholic sects broke away like a boy running from home but still carrying in his pocket a picture of his mother or a lock of her hair. So the Catholic Church is saying, come back to mother. You know, you're actually, when you keep Sunday, you are basing that upon the authority of, of the Catholic Church. I want to read a few other quotations. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible and the transference of the Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. This is from the Catholic Record, September 1, 1923. I want to read a few others. Perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change in the church ever did happen in the first century. The Holy Day, the Sabbath, was changed from Saturday to Sunday, not from any direction noted in the Scriptures, but from the Church's sense of its own power. People who think that the Scriptures should be their sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventist and keep Saturday holy. That's from the St. Catherine Catholic Church Sentinel May 21, 1995. So it says, if you're going to follow tradition, Sunday. If you're going to follow scripture, it's got to be the Sabbath. And these two theological edifices, uh, edifices are logically structured. When you study Roman Catholicism, I had the privilege of studying historical theology from my master's degree. Roman Catholicism is brilliant and logical It's based upon the foundation of Scripture and tradition. And upon that edifice, they build their whole systematic theology. Adventism is also logical. It's built upon the Bible. And from that theological edifice, the structure emerges. And so it's not just about logic. It has to do with what is your premise and what is your starting point. And what is your final authority? That is to be our conclusion as we go forward. Faith of our fathers, Cardinal James Gibbons, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religion's observance of Saturday. So here you have it over and over and over again not only have we gone to scripture and looked at every first day text in the bible and we've seen no indication of the change but we've heard it from the catholic church admitting that they changed the day not only that but we've heard from other mainline denominations saying that that day of rest is not in the bible and we come to the crossroads is it going to be scripture or tradition. Now, some people will say, you know, David, it's just a day. It really doesn't matter. Now, when you look at it from the framework of it just being a day, and you take out of it the relational value of the Sabbath, or our relationship with God, yes, it is just a day from that standpoint. But when you look at the Sabbath from the viewpoint of it being a relational day between us and God, then the Sabbath takes a precedent, prominent place in our Christian experience. If you went to your husband or to your wife or to your brother and sister and said, your birthday, that's just a day. Now, that would probably come across quite hurtful in that relational context because if you cared about the person you would highly regard the day of their birth. Their birthday is an anniversary of their birth, isn't it? Or if you went to your husband and your wife said, oh, just an anniversary, it's just a day. Now, I would probably, you know, that would not be a good thing, okay? Uh, so, so but, but sometimes we treat God worse than our boyfriend or our girlfriend. You know, and, and this is what we need to understand, that God has feelings too. And I don't know why he picked the seventh day, but he did. And it's very clear there in Scripture. And he says, David, on the seventh day, that is my time with you. And if you love me, I want you to spend time with me on this day. If you have a high regard for your relationship with Jesus, you will have a high regard for the Sabbath. I think many times we've taken that relational element out, you know. And historically, that may have been the case with legalism and all these other things, but it's all about the motive. No wife wants her husband to bring her flowers out of fear, right? Now, you can do the same thing. Now, now, if, if the husband's like, oh, I better bring these flowers or I'm going to get it. I mean, that just doesn't work. That's not, that's not an optimum relationship, all right? Now, an optimum relationship is the, f- the husband is like, oh, it's a privilege to bring flowers. The motive, you can do the same action but have a different motivation. That's the same thing with the Sabbath. If the Sabbath comes across as a requirement, a rigid regulation that's like, oh, I better do this or else, you're losing the point. God says, look, if you love me, you're going to love to spend time with me on the Sabbath. I've used this illustration before. If you're on a date with somebody, young people, You know, when you're 30. No, i was just kidding. Okay, so if you're on a date with someone and that individual is on their cell phone texting, on Facebook, not paying any attention to you, that communicates something to that individual. If you care about that individual, you're going to be properly bathed, you're going to comb, comb your hair. You know, all those things come into the context, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you care about that relationship. And it's the same thing with the Sabbath. God says on the Sabbath, it's just me and you and the believers, and I want to spend quality time with you on the Sabbath. Now, if there's anyone in the world that hates the Sabbath, it's the devil. The devil wants to remove quality time out of your relationship with God because he knows if he takes that time and replaces it with a counterfeit that the time will come as we approach the end of time and there's gonna be a polarization taking place that individuals will be deceived into receiving what the Bible calls the mark of the beast now we don't have time to get into that presentation here today But I want to bring out the point that the Sabbath must take relational value. And if you have a relationship with someone and you love that individual, time with that person becomes a prominent, preeminent importance. So here we have our choice this morning. Our choice on the the left-hand side, the Bible, Jesus, God's law, God's instruction, God's way, and I would add our relationship with God. On the other side, we have tradition, the religious leaders, man's dogma, human teachings, and man's way. And we have the opportunity today to choose Jesus, to choose that relationship with Him and say, because I love Jesus, I will love His Sabbath. Amen? Let's stand together as we prepare to close this morning. Every head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to make a simple appeal as we conclude our study this morning in our two-part series called The Seventh Day. I want to open doors of the church this morning. And if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord and you desire to do so this morning, I want to invite you to raise your hand. If you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want to accept you into my heart. I want to open the door of my heart. The Bible says, if any man opens the door, I will come in to him. If there's someone here today that says, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart. Please save me. Just put up your hand just briefly and say, Amen. God bless you. If there's someone else. God bless you. You want to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart this morning. This is the most important decision that you can make. The Sabbath will not matter if Jesus is not your Savior. You first accept him as Savior, and then he becomes Lord of your life. Is there someone else that wants to say, Lord Jesus, I want to accept you as my Savior? My second appeal is this. You've heard about the Bible Sabbath. Perhaps this is the first time. Perhaps you've heard about it before. Perhaps you've struggled keeping the Sabbath. And this morning, you've heard the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and you want to say, Lord Jesus, by your grace, by your spirit, help me to keep the Sabbath. If that's your desire, I want to invite you to raise your hand this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Is there someone else? Help me to keep the Sabbath. This is something we can't do in our own ability. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My last appeal is this. And I make this appeal every Sabbath for a specific reason. You have an area of your life that you are struggling with. And you need the grace of God. You can't beat this thing on your own. It's a habit. It's a tendency. It's a struggle that you just can't beat. And you need special prayer. And you want to surrender this area of your life to Jesus. I want to invite you to come forward for special prayer at this time. There's an area of your life that you're struggling with. And you want Jesus to give you the victory. God bless you. God bless you. There's someone else. You want to say, Lord Jesus, give me victory in this particular area of my life. I need Jesus to assist me. I need Jesus to help me. I need Jesus to give me the victory. All we can do is come. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Let's bow our heads together as we pray this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible Sabbath. We thank you that it's not about the rules or the regulations. We thank you that it is relational time with us in God. And if we love Jesus, we will want to guard this time with Jesus. Help us by your grace. As we've seen historically that Satan has tried to replace the Sabbath with another day. We pray that as this truth has been rediscovered among many individuals all across the world that your people would take their stand on the side of truth here this morning. I pray for the individuals that have come forward. They have an area of their life that they are struggling with. And Lord, we recognize this morning that it's okay to struggle. We must not give up because God does not give up on us. Help us to come to you recognizing that we can say the words, take our hearts, for we cannot give it. Save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves. Please come into our hearts. Make us and mold us into a new creation. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.